Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo, and today I'm so happy to share a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you. She is Caitlin Billings, and her winning book is titled In Our Blood, a Memoir. Caitlin lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her family and is a licensed clinical social worker and has a thriving therapy practice specializing in complex trauma. Meantime, she is working on her second book. And I'm so looking forward to our conversation. So welcome to the network, Caitlin. Hi, Pat. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to have you here. Before we begin with your book, let me just say congratulations on the book win. That was exciting. Absolutely. Um, It was just like a surprise to see it. And, um, you know, like a a real um, confirmation that my book was read and is out there. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I always say this to everyone, but it's it's always a scary thing to put your book out there and put it out to scrutiny to people you don't know, not knowing how it's going to come back. And then when it does and it receives praise, it's like, oh, wow, that's le- that's a lesson learned in life is to put your foot forward and stick your neck out. You never know what good things will come back. It took me um, quite a, a several months to make the decision ultimately to publish the book because, you know, as uh, you've, you've kind of wandered through it, uh, as you said, and um, it's pretty intimate. It's raw in some places. Um, and I, I finally had to ask myself, like, why, if if I'm not intending to share this with anyone, what, what was the point for me of writing it? Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the, the main themes running through the book is self-acceptance. And for me, the challenge of self-acceptance was actually putting it out there because I do accept myself and, you know, all that I've been through, both positive, negative, um, you know, soul building, all of those things. So I also just wanted to, like, acknowledge that we all have stuff in our lives that, that's really hard and we all we don't always talk about it in our, um, in our society. Um, there's a lot of stigma attached to many of the things that I discuss in my book. Mm-hmm. I have written in red here on a piece of paper that I wanted to talk about later is the word stigma. So we'll get to that in a minute. Well, thank you for having the courage, not only to write it, but then that big step to put it out there because I'm sure it helped you in the writing process, but more importantly, it's helping other people find their voice and to realize, oh my gosh, if she did it, I can do this too. So I think it's a gift to the world that you put this book forth and put it out there. So congratulations, not so much on the win, but just for doing that. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now you have a pinned Twitter post that says, in our blood, is a memoir exploring mental health, family, and the daily adventure and fog of simply being. And boy, did that catch my eye. I was so taken by the use of the word fog. Let's just talk about that for a minute. I think that often what happens is when we're going through something really, really difficult, there is a sense of being um, 
in a fog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think about that, in ter- yeah, in terms of just getting through the day. One of the things I tell my clients, because I, I see it so often and it's true for me as well, is often we don't, we don't realize that we are growing and changing because we are in such a fog when, you know, in the ups and downs of daily living as well as darker moments. So, yeah, I think <laughs> I, I'm just muddling my way through life. <laughs> so it can be foggy at times. Well, I think we're all muddling. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe it's in the middle of that muddle, though, that you realize some life-changing things about yourself. I, I, I think if everything seemed to be perfect, you probably wouldn't be paying attention. So so maybe as we muddle, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yep. Well, why don't you, for our reader, uh, for our listeners, tell us a bit about your book. Just give us a peek so everyone else knows what we're talking about. Entice them to get a copy for themselves. So as I said, um, one of the main themes of the book is self-acceptance. And I, I really explore that through um, my own personal um, life growing up and the process of becoming a therapist and working with um, people who are also working towards self-acceptance. During my um, early years as a therapist, I began to exhibit signs of depression and Ultimately, I landed in a psychiatric hospital and was diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder. So a lot of the book, well, I would say part one. Part one of the book is that journey. Going back to the title, I'm sorry, this is meandering, but going back to the title, In Our Blood, part two of the book explores my daughter's um, beginning to exhibit symptoms of mental health issues. And while I had um, really come to terms with, well, not really come to terms with, with but gone through a, a, a journey of self-acceptance with the um, bipolar diagnosis, I really blamed myself um, somehow, um, which was, pretty irrational now looking back, but I blamed myself for my daughter's mental health issues because I, you know, uh, bipolar disorder is genetic uh, usually. And um, so I had to go through yet another journey of self-acceptance with um, my daughter's, my daughter exhibiting many of the same symptoms that I had. And then some tragic things happened in our family um, that had to do with sexual abuse. Um, And so it was sort of like the last 10 years of of life has been this like journey of reckoning over and over and over again. Um, And what ties all of it together is, like I said, acceptance of self and also like radical acceptance. Um, of life and that sometimes bad things happen to us and how do we get through it? So I apologize. That is not an elevator speech. It is seven in the morning here in California. (laughs) 
I'd rather not have an elevator speech. I'd rather have something true and from the heart. So thank you. No, I think you explained it very, very well. And I have so many questions just based on what you what you said. Um, mm-hmm. First, I want to go back. You, you said that early on as a therapist, then you realized that you had depression. I'm wondering, does your work as a therapist help you? Are there times when it's difficult? Does it pull you back? Um, does it help you? relate to your clients? How does that all fit in to who you are? Um, That's a really, really good question. And I just want to say kind of at the outset that this is part of why I wanted to put this book out there is because many therapists have their own either trauma or mental health conditions, and we don't talk about it, Mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. I think like, like... Yes to all of those questions. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, uh, Yeah. And I think through like my growth as a therapist and my journey as a therapist, what I know to do is when working with a client does bring up my own stuff, like if I um, find that maybe I'm too closely relating to a client's story or I find myself thinking about the client later that evening and over the weekend and worrying about them or, you know, honestly, sometimes experiencing flashbacks of my own Mm -hmm. um, traumas or um, hospitalizations, I reach out and I I have a therapist um, who I see weekly um, and I know that I can also reach out to her um, over the phone is needed. Um, we have a, a deep understanding that um, I, I don't abuse that privilege, mm-hmm. but she has been there for me through really some of the very darkest moments. Mm-hmm. So she is absolutely a resource. I have to say, though, that the further I am in my recovery, and I, I use the word recovery from mental, from being in the thick of a a mental health breakdown or a mental health episode, um, as well as my recovery from um, trauma in my earlier years, I I don't get really triggered. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm able to relate to my clients, I think, in a very professional way, while at the same time having a deep knowing of what they're going through in terms of process. Content is always going to be different. Everybody has their own content. Everybody has their own story. But the process often looks the same. And so it's, it's the content that occasionally can be triggering, but the process, like to be able to sit with someone who is going through a process that is so familiar to me is actually something that I value deeply Mm -hmm. and um, does really give me meaning while at the same time I've I've had to, you know, really cultivate my own meaning in my life because if if my meaning is only derived from my clients, that's, that's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it is, it is my work, but it is not my life. So I don't know if I answered all of your questions. It doesn't matter. I just wanted to talk about it. <laughs> we don't have to okay. we don't have to come <laughs> to any conclusions. I think it's just 
interesting and helpful just to talk and hear your thoughts and, and your thought process on all of that. Do your clients know that you wrote this book? No. However, it, it was kind of shocking, um, but a potential client, my practice is full. It's always full, um, which is wonderful because I'm serving as many people as possible. Um, and at the same time, it's hard for me because I have to turn people away. Mm-hmm. Or just, I mean, honestly, a lot of therapists here in the Bay Area, we find ourselves in situations where we can't even get back to people. We get so many calls, especially now with the pandemic yes. um, and, and all of the trauma that's been brought up for people there. Yep. Anyway, I, I had a potential person reach out to me and reference my book. And they had seen it online. And that was really shocking for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is real. <laughs> I, do not, I, I do not plan to tell anyone, any of my clients, that I wrote this book. I see it as a, right now, and I don't know what the future holds. Yes. Um, but right now I see it as a separate um, process. Yep. No, I get that. I um, get that. Yeah. And if, if any of my clients do come across it or do read it, um, I'm absolutely open to having a conversation with them about what that was like for them. Mm-hmm. And also really exploring, like, now that you've read this book and you know these things about me as your therapist, being really open that like if at any time that begins to disrupt our work together that I, you know, we can absolutely look at finding another therapist for them because it, it can be, I think, unsettling to know a lot of things about your therapist. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there is, I think, you know, seeing on Twitter, there is a growing movement of mental health professionals who are speaking out and saying, you know what, I've had these experiences and that doesn't mean that I can't do this work. Right, right. I mean, if you're asking your client to be open and self-accepting, then, you know, maybe it would be helpful for them to see that coming from you as a therapist. I guess it would depend on the client and the relationship and, you know, what it is the two of you are trying to solve. Very intricate and very, very tricky to, to navigate for sure. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Some, some, some clients don't want to know or, or even unconsciously don't want to know because it may be in their nature to worry about people mm-hmm. and then they might worry about their therapist right. and that can get in the way. Sure. Right. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's a material for, for the work mm-hmm. or maybe that's just not a good fit. Right. Oh, very, very, very interesting. You know, you talked about self-acceptance and we kind of throw those two words out there like it's easy. Like, how do you achieve self-acceptance? I'm sure that that is just a lifelong journey. But where do people begin? Because I think we're not talking to one or two people here. I think we're talking to everybody. We all need to come to some level of self-acceptance, probably some more than others. Where do we start? How do we begin that journey? For me, I think self-acceptance is realizing that life sends you challenges often when you least expect it. Mm 
And for me, I, I realized, like, I can either, like, lie down and give up or I can accept it and accept myself as imperfect because we all are. Also, many of us get messages that we need to be perfect mm-hmm. in order to be accomplished or to be accepted. So really embracing imperfection. And I used also the term radical acceptance. And that actually, for me, I learned about radical acceptance through dialectical behavior therapy, which was created by Marsha Linehan, who also came out as having um, a mental health diagnosis um, later in life after DBT was, um, you know, well, well grounded in um, our work as therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, however, she is another person who has come out. Um, I just think of self-acceptance as like getting up and going for a walk, even when I don't want to, and I feel like gritty and sad and I don't want to face life and my limbs feel heavy and doing it anyway. And, you know, I live on top of this hill. And so in order to take a walk, I have to walk down the hill. And then at the end of the walk, I have to walk up the hill. (laughs) (laughs) And that is such a good opportunity for self-acceptance. Like for me, that's like such a metaphor because often it's hot and I'm sweaty. I often have to stop midway and catch my breath because it's a very steep hill. And I could really get down on myself in those moments and, you know, give myself a lot of criticism about my fitness or, you know, if I'm having a bad day, like my outlook on life. And instead, I choose to be in the moment and be in the sweat and be in the discomfort and be in the sadness and keep going up the hill. Mm -hmm. So that's like the micro for me of self-acceptance. Thank you. Thank you. I I think it's such an important conversation to have. And so is the word stigma. I want to get back to that because I wrote that down even before, Mm -hmm. even before we got together here today. Yeah. I I have this sort of like chaotic mattering of thought running through my mind. So it may come out in that way. I think about the origins of psychotherapy when I think about stigma, because I think that's part of it. For a long time, the practice and the evolution of psychotherapy um, was created and theorized by very well-meaning and very intelligent white men. And those who were suffering, um, quote unquote, were women, you know, there's plenty of history about experiments and really deep wrongdoings to the BIPOC community. So I just think about that, like, where does stigma start? Mm -hmm. And so here we are now, it's 2022, that's a long time ago, at least for me, it's a long time ago that the, you know, the origins of psychotherapy. Um, and I think we're really starting to do things 
differently. I am signed up for a course, a, a continuing education course that I'm really excited to take, which is called um, Decolonizing Clinical Supervision. And clinical supervision is something that I do in addition to um, my therapy practice. I supervise clinicians who are working on their licenses. So this idea of decolonizing supervision is so interesting to me, and I'm so excited to be taking this course, because I think that really um, speaks to us talking to each other in a different way, both on a clinical level as well as a client-to-clinical level, if that makes sense. Um, I've been in environments clinically with other professionals, and I think Often, like other medical professionals, there's kind of this like shop talk that happens because the work can be so stressful, especially working with people um, who are, of, you know, to use clinical language, a very high acuity population. Um, people maybe who are coming out of hospitalization or you know, are actually suicidal and we're trying to decide, you know, do we send them to the hospital? Um, you know, can they remain safely um, at home? And I've sat in meetings and heard descriptions of clients that could be me. And sometimes jokes are made, well-meaning, nothing, you know, people letting off steam, I think, but it can feel so much like us and them. Mm -hmm. And it's such a cognitive dissonance for me to sit in those circles and talk about clients and sometimes clients become statistics. Mm -hmm. You know, it's how many hospitalizations has, has this person had? How many suicide attempts has this person had? Um, do they have a personality disorder? Um, what kind of trauma have they had? You know, do they do, are they um, using substances? It's like, where is the person right. in all of that? Right. <laughs> so those are the things that come up when I think about stigma. Wow. And, and then just like larger societal issues, which mm -hmm. I think, you know, we are talking about, you know, we've got... Um, movie stars coming out and sharing their mental health diagnoses and, you know, people in high-profile folks. And yet, I can sit in a room of clinicians and feel very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I, I think the whole idea of stigma also has to start at that top level of our bigger institutions. That is such a good point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're get, we're landing in all kind of places here. I want to get back to your book. Let's uh, okay. let's talk about the cover. Why the maple leaf? Yeah, so so interesting. Um, I'm just personally really drawn to nature as metaphor. Um, and I don't know. It, it's hard to see, but it's actually two maple leaves. Um, one smaller one placed kind of across the other, right. which to me really symbolizes the mother-child relationship. And I think of trees as family, 
a metaphor for family, you know, the family tree. I didn't particularly choose a maple leaf. Um, Some covers were created and I chose from them. Um, But this one was so simple and elegant, in my opinion. And I loved just that simplicity and symbolism of like one leaf cradling another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what spoke to me about it. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's it's stark. It's clean. It's clear. Oh my gosh, Caitlin, we've been all around the block here. Um, I just want to make sure as we begin to wrap up that that we didn't miss anything that you wanted to talk about. Is there something else that we need to highlight before we begin to wrap up? One of the self acceptance layers of self-acceptance journeys that's in the book is um, my um, son who, you know, originally was, I I identified as my daughter, came out as transgender within kind of a multitude of crises that were going on. Um, And that was another piece of me learning about self-acceptance through my child mm-hmm. was seeing them take the brave step of coming out and saying, this is who I am. So, you know, one of the things I worried about with the book was like, well, is this sort of like a, you know, a, am I going off on a tangent here? Um, and ultimately I decided no, because it's, it's the same thread. It's the same theme. And life is not simple. (laughs) So I, I, I told this story and, um, my son is an adult now. Um, however, I, I do have his permission to share this story, which was really important to me. I, I was not going to publish it without permission. Right, right. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that that particular um, journey is in the book as well, both for me as a mother of a transgender teenager and his path forward. Well, your life is truly filled with many changes, you know, brought on by your family, your children. There's a lot there. So I'm so impressed that you did not only write this, but made that wise decision, I think, to put the book out there. So if you would share any contact information you have where folks can find out more about you, where they can purchase copies of your book. So I have a website, which is caitlinbillings.com. And on the website are links to um, both Amazon as well as some smaller bookshops, which um, I would love if people patronized indie mm-hmm. <laughs> bookshop ultimately book choice i'm not selling books on my website as of yet because the book doesn't actually come out until july right all righty well caitlinbillings.com and it's spelled c-a-i-t-l-i-n-b-i-l-l-i-n-g-s caitlinbillings.com the title of her book is in our blood a memoir, and this was just a spectacular conversation. Thank you for so early for you <laughs> being being so willing to share such an in depth look into your journey and your life. I so appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This was just a wonderful conversation. I really appreciated the opportunity.